everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg. Your host for Times Will Tell. A weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hi everyone, this is Amanda Borchel Dan. We have a musical Times Will Tell this week with Lenka Lichtenberg, who is here to talk about and share songs from her new album, Thieves of Dreams. Songs of Theresienstadt's Secret Poetess. Lenka is a classically trained musician who grew up in the Czech Republic. Before eventually settling in Canada, she moved around Europe and dipped her toes in a variety of musical genres. Her eclectic musical background can be heard in her new project, Thieves of Dreams, which is based on poems that her grandmother, Anna Chava Frezova, wrote during the Holocaust before, during, and after her years spent in Theresienstadt. A few years ago, Lenka came across her grandmother's two notebooks of poems in Prague while cleaning out her recently deceased mother's apartment. Sixteen of the poems were turned into songs, eight of which were composed by Lenka and eight others that were commissioned from Czech and Canadian composers. The arrangements feature 19 recording artists from Canada, the Czech Republic, and Germany, and the album was recorded and produced by Lenka at her Melody Meadows Barn studio in eastern Ontario. In this slightly longer episode this week, we will learn about Lenka and her family and hear excerpts from the album Thieves of Dreams. It is haunting music. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Lenka. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where am I finding you? Hello, Amanda. Uh, I am in eastern Ontario in Canada on a farm that we have about an hour's drive from Toronto. Um, We're basically in the middle of the fields, uh, surrounded by coyotes and lots of various animals. And uh, we just love it out here. It sounds like utopia to me. (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) I'm so jealous. Yeah, it is special. We are here, of course, to discuss your new album, Thieves of Dreams, and it's just shatteringly beautiful. I have been listening to it nonstop, and it's based on poetry that your grandmother wrote. To begin with, your life, your musical background, everything is so rich, but we're going to begin with the impetus for this particular album. I found two little notebooks in my mom's uh, desk when she passed away. And uh, I didn't know what to do with those because it was clear to me it was uh, something of a historic record. Uh, There's not that much poetry that would have come out uh, haven't been written in a concentration camp. And so when I saw that, I realized it was something very special. Um, And apart from the fact that I was so surprised what's actually in it, you know, poems that my grandmother wrote, clearly it was in her handwriting and so on, and it was labeled as such. Um, I was not sure how to, how to, how to deal with this because it was a very, very special thing. And the choice I had was, uh, what somebody suggested, well, you have to give this to Yad Vashem or a Holocaust Education Museum or somewhere because it's a historic document. But I felt that these uh, little treasures were in fact already silent for so many decades and it was not 
uh, giving them any justice at all to put them uh, further in a silent place. And as a musician, I, I, I felt that uh, the best way for me to, to honor these was uh, through music because that's what I relate to the most. And uh, it took me a while to come to that conclusion. But once I decided, uh, it was pretty clear how I would do this. Now, we will discuss the songs themselves and the words a little bit uh, later in the program. Let's back up a little bit in terms of the timeline and your story to give a little more context to this particular project, which, as you said, is taking your grandmother's poetry that she wrote in Theresienstadt. So all our listeners can hear that you have a bit of an accent. Where are you from <laughs> originally? I think I have a lot of an accent. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't seem to go away. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I am from I am from Czech Republic. Uh, when I was born there, it was Czechoslovakia. Uh, I spent my formative years there. I went to school as uh, uh, to study music, classical music, opera, and so on. And also spent my childhood as a singer in a musical theater. So uh, I was very much Czech and very deeply involved with the musical seen even as a child there. And uh, when I was 18, I left the country and uh, eventually ended up in Canada as a landed immigrant and uh, didn't know much about my Jewish roots uh, because uh, I didn't actually even know I was Jewish until I was about 10 when my mother told me uh, because she had to. I was invited to sing at a Jewish community center and so she had to explain to me what this place is and what Jewish is and so on and I didn't know anything at all. So I wasn't brought up uh, as a Jew and uh, uh, you couldn't even be in, uh, in a communist country, not very strongly. There was a, a strong degree of uh, assimilation and so on. So so I didn't know any of those things and uh, only as an adult pretty well after after, uh, as a tourist coming to Israel, I I, I uh, connected very, very deeply with my Jewish roots and started asking questions of my mother, what, what actually happened and uh, uh, what she has been through, what my grandmother was through. And until then, all I really knew was that they were in a concentration camp and uh, that they survived and the rest of their family didn't. Uh, so that was all I really had. And then my mom wrote a book about it called uh, The Fortress of My Youth. And by then I was already uh, living in Canada as an adult and I was really quite uh, moved by her stories and so on. So all this came new to me uh, as an adult, really. And so when my mom passed away, I found these uh, booklets of my grandmother's poetry in her desk. All of that was even a further surprise because... Uh, I had no idea that my grandmother wrote poems or wrote anything whatsoever. I knew her very differently. She was a very lighthearted, chain-smoking, uh, tennis-playing <laughs> grandmother and uh, very untraditional, should I say. She was not one to bake or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, or knit. No, no, she was uh, actually an avid reader that I knew uh, and uh, very knowledgeable, but uh, very, very light and laughing all the time. 
Uh, so I would have never connected any, uh, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, any depth of thought to her. Uh, so when I read these poems, it didn't really connect to the image I had of my grandmother. So all that was a deep surprise and it moved me very, very deeply. Once I started, uh, once I started reading the poems, I realized they are actually really beautiful, a beautiful moving poetry that, uh, that she created. And I had no idea. And, and for some strange reason, they were uh, tucked away and uh, never mentioned by my mother either. And that I think has something to do with their own relationship, which was complicated. And uh, so my mother, for some reason, didn't feel that she wanted to honor those creations of her own mother. But for me, the situation was very different. So <laughs> once I found it, I knew I had to do something with it. Now, the fact that you didn't know that you were Jewish until you were nine, ten is not the first time that this has happened in your family. In fact, your own mother didn't know she was Jewish until what age? Yes, until I think 13, even later than mine. Uh, yes, it's really quite an ironic uh, repetition. You know, history does repeat itself so many times, and this is definitely a case in point. So my, my mom was brought up as a Catholic in, in an effort of many, I think, Jews in uh, Czech Republic and uh, maybe in some other places uh, in Eastern Europe, at least, uh, maybe in Germany, I don't know. But definitely in Czechoslovakia, the effort was to save some families when they saw what was coming in the 30s. They felt uh, that if they assimilate and even take on uh, Christianity as a faith, that that would somehow save them from uh, from uh, the pogroms that were happening here and there. And uh, my grandfather, Richard Fries, he was from an area that had experienced uh, pogroms. And so from what I understand, uh, he was the motivator mainly behind uh, my grandmother and grandfather's uh, effort to keep the family, even though they were both 100% Jewish, to keep them as far from being Jewish as possible. And so so when my mother was born, she was actually baptized and uh, taken to church and so on. So she grew up as a full-fledged Catholic. And so she had no idea about any of her roots whatsoever and didn't know what was Jewish either, just as myself. Uh, I mean, you're right that there's an interesting <laughs> interesting parallel right there. It really is quite astounding. So so uh, she, and, and, but she actually loved, like the way I remember my mother, she, she loved uh, many aspects of Christianity and she liked churches, she really did. She loved going there for their, for their somber atmosphere, she would ch- sit in a in a in a beautiful church and and just meditate there. And uh, so, I don't know. It, it's still connected with her till uh, I think until her death that she saw herself as uh, as Christian in many ways. So to her to have lost her family, uh, all her extended family, including her beloved grandparents and her father, uh, to the fact that she was Jewish was really so brutal as it was to everybody, of course, but to her, it just really made no sense because she didn't think she was Jewish. And in an ironic uh, turn of events, she and her mother were taken on Christmas Day, correct, to the camp? 
Yes, I think they actually departed like um, a few days before uh, before Christmas from their house. And then they were in, a, uh, I think you could call it a holding tank, where there were thousands of Jewish families from the area in Hradec Kralove in eastern uh, Bohemia. And there they waited for the trains. And I do believe that you're right, on, a, on, on Christmas Day, they were actually taken from that holding tank by train to continue to Terezin. Hi, Times Will Tell listeners. We're glad you're with us for Times Will Tell, our weekly Times of Israel podcast. You should also check out our daily briefing, the 50-minute podcast dropped every Sunday through Thursday, in which we speak to our fellow Times of Israel reporters and correspondents covering the very latest news and headlines. You can subscribe to The Daily Briefing wherever you find your podcasts. So we know that your grandmother had a very rich private life, as we read in her poetry. And in the booklet to your album, which is again, it's called Thieves of Dreams, it is so beautifully done. You have laid out there your grandmother's handwriting, which is just pristine and beautiful, and there's no mistakes there. Everything is clear and clean. You're right. You're right. I didn't even think of that. It's true, actually. It's like writing the Torah. You can't make a mistake, you know. <laughs> ah, wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> you have to wonder, did she compose the poems so completely in her head and all she needed to do was to write them down when she had a chance? I could just imagine her muttering them to herself, trying to keep them, to capture them in her memory and then writing them down. And you have that juxtaposed, of course, with the English translations, which you've set and other composers have set to music. I'd like to talk with you about four of the songs that they're all beautiful. They're just gorgeous songs. But I'd like to discuss four of them in more depth, beginning with Run, Run, You Little Human. Run, run, you little human. The winner will be the one who gets away. Each road leads to a remote horizon, but never far away enough from a man. 
run from your words and betrayals. From now on, you'll always be on the run. It's not an escape. You'll just drag yourself along. You'll never escape yourself, nor your heart. When you've outrun your last ounce of joy, only then will you master true speed. Tired from running, barefoot, in tatters, you'll find yourself spinning around your own axis. Now, when I heard it, it's just haunting in terms of your vocalization, and you said it in a kind of a cappella type way, but it almost sounds like a game. Was that your intention? I think I was inspired here by, by the, you know, a dog chasing its tail kind of idea. When you're running, uh, when you're running and you're getting nowhere, that, that is the point of it, because that is what it says uh, at the very end of the poem. It actually says, uh, the, 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 basically, the more you run, the, the more you realize that you're just turning around your own axis and you're getting absolutely nowhere. And I think this song, I, I, I absolutely love this poetry. It really is so unusual and fascinating to me as well. Uh, it is a, I think, a metaphor both for the human condition and for their particular situation being in a concentration camp. Uh, the human condition in a sense that she says, uh, uh, you know, you can run far as far as you want, but you can never run away from yourself. So that being one aspect of it. Uh, and uh, all the things that are bad in humans. So she says, you know, running from your own betrayals and from, uh, from your fears and from that. So you just cannot run away from that. And uh, the other one is uh, literal, where where being, of course, where they were in a, in, a, in a prison, basically, that, you know, you can try all you want, but you can't get away from there either. So, uh, yeah, I did... I did try in this one to make it kind of circular, you know, how it's running around, as I said, about the dog and the tail, that kind of thing, and uh, also playful in a way. And I thought that uh, that uh, the a cappella treatment of that would uh, would provide that uh, uh, focus on, on, on just the movement in it. Definitely comes through. The next song we'll discuss is called Wild Beastly Water Came. And it begins with a trumpet bass intro, which sounds kind of like marching. And the words of the poem are incredibly harsh, but you're singing it so sweetly and also in a jazzy kind of way that it's this horribly stark depiction, but it's turned into kind of a song of hope by the end. <laughs> Wild, beastly water came rushing down, just heavy boulders remained. It swept away fields and harvest and put out all the flames. Here someone hoped, there someone sowed. Here they were building a family home, but everything was swept up, washed away, satisfied or just the stones. Úr i úrodu odplavila, 
a uhasila plameny, plameny. Tady se doufalo, tady se silo, tady se stavěl rodný dům. Všechno se smetlo, odplavilo, je dobře jenom kamenům, jen kamenům. Jsou servány mosty, servány hráze, pohně jak výčitky zhaseny. Umřela bolest, srdci je blaze, mrtvý je zaživa spasený. Yes, uh, that song has uh, definitely a surprise ending. But I'll start. <laughs> I'll start from the beginning. Uh, this wild, beastly water is a metaphor, I imagine. So anyway, for uh, for a flood that in fact means the Nazi occupation in this case, and destroys everything in its path. So it describes how people's lives. And everything they were dreaming about, they were building. Uh, it's very literal, describing all the things that uh, that were completely destroyed by this flood. And uh, then in the second half of the song, it kind of comes to terms with it. And it's uh, I have musically also changed. Uh, uh, I don't know if anybody would understand that, but I, I've gone from like a minor keys to major keys, kind of the obvious movement, you know, you're going from the disaster to the hopeful place. And uh, so now this is after the flood and uh, uh, there is just mud, but in the mud, there is a little, a uh, little, sign of of new growth and of new uh new developments for humans and it puts out this uh, uh as i said surprising idea that maybe this is all okay uh if humanity if the our world is destroyed because uh god will not really take that uh as um, nothing just but a little blip because the next time uh next time humanity and the human world uh, will Will perhaps be much better because it has learned from its mistakes that were committed in the past. So it kind of has this lightness about it saying, well, you know, it's no big deal that we get destroyed because we're going to start all over again. And after all, it's just a good lesson to have. This idea of perspective and hope, it definitely comes through in another song, What is This Place?, which is contemplative. Lots of questions here, questions anyone would ask themselves. What is this place? Where have we come to? What happened to the way you used to look at me? We're eternally lost, eternally redeemed. In the darkest of nights, remember the sun. Love is the only spring through which our life is born. 
cherish your life and regret none of it. We're eternally lost, eternally redeemed. In the darkest of nights, remember the sun. Ztraceni, věčně spaseni Za nocí nejtmavších na slunce pamatuj, pamatuj Kam jsme to kam zašli, kam jsme to zašli Kde je, kde pohled tvůj, kde je, kde pohled tvůj. What do you think that this particular poem showed of your grandmother's character? Uh, I think this song captures really beautifully uh, the two sides you have you have the sadness and the realization that their lives are changed forever uh, and at the same time that uh, the strength to not see everything black the strength to find hope even in the bleakest of places is there as well and another beautiful beautiful aspect of this song is uh, or of the poem is uh, the fact that it's both very personal and very general so, or universal should we say because it's about about her relationship with what I assume with her husband, my grandfather, uh, because she does say, you know, where are we? Like, what happened to the way you used to look at me? And so this is very personal. And we already know that actually, unfortunately, their relationship was in trouble. And uh, so, uh, so she addresses that. And at the same time, she's talking in uh, general terms about how love will basically, to use a cliche, conquer all, and that it is the ultimate spring of hope that you can look around and find. And do remember that the sun will still come out tomorrow and so on. So so it's both universal and very personal about the situation in the camp and about the state of her marriage. And I think that is the beautiful art of poetry that in very few words, really, you can say so much. You see, I can talk about it for five minutes, but she says it in like, uh, you know, 40 words in total, probably at the most. So <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, I think, the, the, the real sign of good poetry that it can do that. Hi, it's Sarah Tuttle Singer from the Times of Israel. Come join our community and support fast and fair independent journalism. You can sign up with the link at the bottom of every single article on the site. The next poem that we'll discuss is, again, this kind of universal, particular situation. It's a love poem, but just like the Song of Songs can be interpreted in so many different ways, this poem, Miracles, is also way open to interpretation. 
could still happen and everything that you cared for into the oddity of twilight one word was exhaled a thousand times your love embodied in my heart you know how I said I want to all your desires and the heart beat with a mysterious promise There never have been more magical moments and evenings and intimacy more brilliant and nights in dreams more beautiful. And a heart has never dreamt so exquisitely as in our togetherness. How do you see it? Uh, I find interesting that you find it uh, that you find it also universal. I actually found that one extremely personal. But you know, who knows? <laughs> We don't have my grandma to ask for the question. But I found it. It was some sort of a memory uh, of a most romantic situation that happened in the past. That uh, that uh, maybe she is. Uh, reminiscing about something that no longer exists in the camp. There certainly was no space, I don't think, to have a new experiences like that. So she's describing the magic of of uh, night's past and everything that each person gives to the other. And it's about love, but I see it very much... Uh, There's a longing, there is appreciation for the love relationship and for all the beauty that came with it. But I do see it as uh, personal and, and nostalgic and maybe a little melancholy in it. Uh, 
even though it doesn't actually complain about having lost it. It just kind of lays it out like this was how it was. I, I, I find I, I find that poetry really quite extraordinary to be written in a concentration camp and of all, of all places. If you were to read the same words in a mystical kind of way, you could interpret it as God's love and the passion with God. There, I think, I mean, I personally think that anyone who reads it will take his own interpretation of the words, but it's just beautifully written. And, and your setting of it is so, I don't know, celestial in a way. How did you decide to create this composition? I spent quite some time setting the poems. Uh, I didn't want to do them too quickly one after the other because each one had to live in me for a while so they get their own little space and their own attention and musical uh, understanding and depth. So this one, I lived with it for some weeks before the melodies started forming in my musical heart. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I wanted to make it just beautiful. That, that to me was the one and only criteria I actually used on this song. I want this to be as beautiful as I am able to produce. <laughs> so, and because I'm a singer and I guess because I am uh, professionally trained singer and a musician, I, I see many uh, or I understand music in terms of, uh, of their harmonic progressions, but also vocally in terms of harmonies. Harmonies to me are everything. <laughs> and so, so this song uh, expresses itself through a lot of harmonies. And I think that's what gives it that you, what you describe as a celestial sound. I think that comes with that because there are a couple parts that is just uh, maybe... 10 voices stacked on top of each other, and uh, it gives it that uh, choral feeling, yes. Now, I said we'd only discuss four, but I told you before we started recording that there's another song that just made me cry every time I heard it, and that is, of course, I Have My Own Grief, fittingly <laughs> titled Making Me Cry Every Single Time, but it is, of course, the combination of your mother's voice with the darbuka, with the singing, with everything together. Tell us a little bit about this song in particular? This is just a four-line poem. And I read it, and it was probably the one that impacted me the most when I read it, because it was just so solemn, so honest, so vulnerable. Do you mind I actually say it? Please do say it. Because it's just four short lines. It says, I have my own grief, but perhaps I can carry yours as well. And should I fall under the weight of the two, I will fall down in silence. Jedeme za 14 dní do transportu. Doufám a věřím, že se vrátíme. Mám vlastní trud, však i tvůj žásnat ještě unesu. Hello. 
opravdu nejsmutnější chodba mého života, protože je to chodba k dveřím, kde jsem měla šťastné chvíle se svojí rodinou a tady jsou ty dveře, kde byla mosazná tabulka Richard Fries a kde jsme naposledy 17. prosince 1942 zamkli dveře s povinností ty klíče dovést do Hradce Králové, kde nás soustředovali jako všechny židy z toho radeckého okresu nebo část. To byly tisíci, tisíc lidí vždycky v každém transportu a tam se muselo na stole odevzat všechno, včetně klíčů. is just so powerful because I just imagine her talking to her husband, my grandmother, to my grandfather, uh, where he already was a little bit of a lost soul uh, before they went to the concentration camp because he was taken by the Gestapo uh, based on a betrayal by a colleague. So he spent six months in prison where he was tortured and came back a broken man. And... Uh, The following months, before they were actually transported to the concentration camp, uh, were once fraught with uh, heavy arguments and uh, despair between my grandparents, according to my mother, who describes that in her book. So, uh, so uh, I think this was an expression of that. My grandmother was trying to make her husband feel somehow better, but he completely lost control and knew he had lost control over the fate of his family. He couldn't do anything. He saw what was coming. And so uh, so that was his heaviness and his despair and her as a wife trying to make him feel uh, better or lighter in some way, because as I said, she was a very light kind of person. But uh, I think I think those four lines express that exactly you know so it's so interesting because you read it as a wife speaking to her husband i read it as a mother speaking to her child oh wow okay <laughs> you see i think that's the beauty of really nice or good good quality poetry is when you can you can have your own understanding of the words and they speak to you. Uh, so I saw it because I know the history from my mom's book between my grandparents. And so I immediately understood it as her talking to her husband because uh, he is just so, uh, so uh, unhappy and, and she wants to make him feel better. And so that's what I saw. But of course it could be, it, it could, totally be a better mother to her child, anything like that. Uh, everybody was trying to help somebody else, I think, you know, emotionally at least. So that makes a lot of sense. So as I mentioned, in 
the beginning, when I read those four lines, I was so strongly impacted. I knew this one was very special, but because it's only four lines, what do you do with it? What do you do? How do you create a whole song unless you start adding things to it that are not really there? Uh, so therefore, I came up with the idea of uh, including my mother in it. And uh, uh, because I wanted to give it even more depth and more context and so on. So this is the one song which really connects on the most, on the deepest level, uh, the three of us as generations. It's my grandmother and her poetry. It's my mother who in this case uh, talks about the uh, departure from their home in Yosefov, where they were uh, before the transport to the concentration camp. And those words, I have been very, very lucky. I found them on a documentary, Czech TV documentary that was uh, done with, my mother was actually a few times on Czech TV and Czech programs. Uh, so she was quite prominent in many ways. And so she was asked to talk about her experiences on this documentary that was uh, done uh, towards the 60th anniversary of uh, liberation of Auschwitz. And uh, so that was from 2005. And uh, that documentary, somebody made a recording of it for me. And I was able to use the words that she is saying there um, in the song. So that particular clip is from that. So it's her genuinely standing in front of their old door in Yusufov and talking about it, reading from a diary that she wrote when she was 14 before they departed. So there's just, it's, there's so, such a strong backstory there from her diary to her now an adult, uh, 60 years after Auschwitz to my grandmother. And then me taking all this and adding my voice and my musical interpretation to this. That's why, that's why Amanda, you're crying when you listen to it and I'm crying as well. So this this song, when I heard it on radio, because it has been picked a few times on uh, on radio programs in Canada that I listened to, and hearing my mother's voice coming, you know, from the radio stations, the radio waves, uh, reading her own words from uh, her nineteen uh, forty two diary. It's uh, really truly unbelievable. So. I, I understand that it would make you cry and it certainly does the same thing to me as well. Lenka, thank you so much for sharing time with us and sharing your music. It's my greatest pleasure and honor. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel and thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week, Shalom. Shalom.